Aloha. Look who it is. My good friend, John Hollinger. Haven't had him on in a while. Good to see you in Atlanta. And today, we're going to get a little provocative. We are going to redraft the 2021 NBA draft just a few months into the season. Can't think of a better guy to do it with than John Hollinger. Let's roll. And aloha. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm with the Athletics' John Hollinger. John's great to have you back on the pod, as always. Mahalo. Great to be back. Nice to hear the sound of tropical birds again. Yeah, no roosters because it's in the afternoon, not the morning. But we'll see if they make an appearance here. Want to get eventually to talk in an NBA draft with you. And I know you're slowly sort of working through this. But it, it feels like a good time because there's a lot of discussion right now about this incredible 2021 rookie class to kind of go back and think a little bit about what we thought about this class coming into the draft and then how they performed and put us on the spot, both of us on the spot, by would we do things differently uh, in the draft today now that we've got at least a somewhat decent sample size into the into the rookie years? Uh, I, let's just start with, this is my assumption, I'm, I'm curious if you think the same way. This is a really awesome rookie class. It is at the top, I think it is. Uh, I think we have maybe five players who have shown like potential all-star potential already, yeah. right? Uh, and all five of them are teenagers still, I think, or, or 20 tops. And so I, I think from that perspective, it's been really good. Uh, I do think we go off the cliff pretty quickly still, which is to be expected a little bit. A lot of these guys in the teens and 20s, they just take a little longer, and then you look back two or three years later, and you're like, wow, okay, that guy turned out to be pretty good. But, but, a, but a few second rounders and a few late first rounders that have played pretty well. Yeah, there's been there's been a couple. We'll we'll get into that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I always like the 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 kind pessimism <laughs> of, of John John Hollinger. He does it with a smile on his face. Doesn't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but uh, my guess is uh, he's going to say no uh, to a lot of that. So look, I'm going to be the coward and give you the first pick in the draft. What we're going to do is going to rotate um, picks just through the lottery. Um, would we do anything different? And we'll talk a little bit about what we thought um, at the time and and whether that's changed at all. I think both you and I had Cade Cunningham, number one, on our big boards coming into the draft. Uh, That was consistent for me the whole year. I think it was pretty consistent for you um, as well. So Detroit Pistons on the clock. Do you select Cade Cunningham with the number one pick in the draft if you were to do it all over? No, no. Evan Mobley. I mean, he's clearly the most talented player. It's funny because I had misgivings about Cade and I, um, you know, I, I still went with him at one. I I liked Mobley and Barnes too. And, uh, was kind of torn there. Um, I do think like Cade's rookie year hasn't been that great. I, he's going to shoot the ball better than he shot it. I mean, that was the one thing I saw watching him, like his shooting form was so sweet that, I mean, to me, like him turning into like a Chris Middleton type player is a pretty, like st- still seems like a pretty, I don't Safe know if bet. likely is the right word, but you know, and an outcome that is pretty easy to envision. Um, just there's not like that super burst. Um, his handles, not super, like, especially with the ball in his left hand, he's a little more turnover prone, has a little more trouble finishing in traffic. And I think though, all those things were there on his tape at Oklahoma state. Um, 
but in in the absence of somebody to wrest that number one spot from him, which guys like Mobley and Barnes didn't quite do in their one season, I think he became kind of the default. But you know, you look at this season now. I mean, Mobley is the type of NBA big that can play in any kind of game because he's so switchable on defense and because he has a perimeter skill set on offense. And between him and Jared Allen, they've basically just hermetically sealed the paint area for Cleveland. And it's been the key to that whole defense. And he's going to be doing that for the next decade. And what do you think about him offensively? Uh, defensively, we've talked about Mobley and the switchability and and the, the lateral fluidity of yeah. a player that's seven foot like that, that it, it just seems special. Uh, what's your grade on him offensively right now uh, coming in? We talked about whether he's going to become a stretch guy. There's a yeah. little bit of evidence of that, but it hasn't yeah. maybe come along as much as we thought. He was pretty good off the bounce um, at USC. We've got to see some of that a little bit. What what sort of grade do you give him offensively? Uh, like a B maybe? Like he's, you know, he's definitely left little clues and hints here and there of what he can become. Uh, but he's not like, he's not really a low post guy, but he's not really a stretch either, but he does so many other things just in the flow of the game. Like he's a good passer. He get like, he gets to pull-ups really easily off the dribble for a seven foot guy. It's kind of amazing. Um, and obviously he's, he is a threat at the rim with his size length and whatnot. And, and so just in the, in the flow of the game, he's able to score and make plays and do some things despite not fitting exactly one of those archetypes that we imagine in our heads. And I, I think as his game evolves, he's going to take it in one of those directions where he's either fills out, becomes more of a low post guy or stretches out and becomes more of a three point guy. All right. I, I think I have to agree with you. Troy Weaver today takes takes Evan Mobley over Cade. I know that's probably not going to be popular to hear in Detroit. Detroit fans have been a little bit sensitive um, about this and and it's kind of interesting with Cade because he he's had a pretty much of a roller coaster ride like one night you you can see it the next night it's it, you're kind of clenching your teeth a little bit um, it's been inconsistent the other guy though that's in the mix here and I'm just sort of curious is Scotty Barnes right um, yeah. some of the advanced analytics actually say he's been better than mm -hmm. Evan Mobley, not defensively, but overall, um, he's yeah. been better. Like if you look at 538's Raptor or Darko, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, some of those are actually rating Scotty Barnes just a, a nudge higher than Evan Mobley right now. Any argument at all for Scotty Barnes at at one? I do think there's an argument. The argument is this. Players like him, like that 6'8", ball handling, multi-positional, like every team is looking for that. Even if they have two of them, they want two more. Like the, so the value of those players, especially as you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, uh, I, th I think escalates. And so I think that's a value proposition for him. The one thing I got to say is that he shot the ball pretty decently so far. And, but I, I think we have to just maintain maybe a little bit of suspicion here that, I, I, I don't know if we can just just go ahead and buy that, you know, full stop and and not have any doubts at all uh, there. So does does body type fit into all this as well? Do you kind of look at Evan Mobley's, you know, thin frame and what have you and Scotty, who who's more filled out and just long term durability, which I know is is part of where you think about this going on. Any any 
any advantage Scotty Barnes has that way. They both had some minor injuries, you know, coming into the season, nothing major. Yeah, I probably not. I mean, what we, you know, people say they worry about injuries with thin guys, but like, is it like, did, did they really get hurt more? Like what you're going to snap them in half like that? that that's right. not what happens, right? You, you don't see this plague of thin guys getting broken bones in the NBA. So I, I, I think I, it's more watching Chet Holmgren and watching him fall to the ground 15 times a game <laughs> that uh, maybe maybe has me. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm watching we'll, a little we'll more with, college we'll and you're watching later. a little bit more, yeah. bro. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So it's clear, Evan. It sounds like it's pretty clear, Evan Mobley, for you at one. Yeah. I mean, that, the one argument for Barnes is, again, just that like positional 6'8", 6'9", guy is so valuable in the league right now. But I, I just think Mobley's been a notch better. And he's going to be that kind of big guy who can stay on the floor in any playoff environment. You know, one of the interesting things about both him and Scotty Barnes is we also talk about it, about rookies don't really help your team win basketball games. You know, that's, that's, that's yeah. just generally the case. They're not going to help you win. Uh, and, and, and Evan Mobley's clearly helping the Cleveland Cavaliers yep. uh, on this run. And Scotty Barnes is clearly helping the Toronto Raptors um, um, this year, which, which makes you wonder why, especially with Scotty Barnes, he couldn't help Florida State more uh, in, in, his, in, his, in his freshman year. But, you know, that's the other interesting thing about both of these players is they they seem to be not just putting up really interesting and great stats for rookies, but they're actually impacting winning. winning absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great to see. Yeah, it's awesome to see. Uh, uh, okay, uh, well, then I'll rotate to the Houston Rockets at two who took Jalen Green, which mm -hmm. I know you weren't, a big fan of having him taken yeah. this high uh, in the draft. Yeah. I, I, for those listeners that don't remember, or don't want to go back. John, John was like he said, very much Evan Mobley or Cade Cunningham, kind of almost like a one A one B thing. And then he had Scotty Barnes um, at three. Coach David Thorpe was really the only guy that I knew that was pushing, you know, those two as high as that. Jalen Green goes two. I think of all of the top rookies, he's been the, by far the biggest disappointment. Uh, you know, coming coming into the coming into the season, uh, I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this Scotty Barnes. I'm gonna draft yeah. Scotty Barnes at, at two to Houston. Uh, I, I'm probably closer to Scotty Barnes at one than maybe you are with Evan Mobley. Mm -hmm. And uh, but but it's it's a very tough choice because I think they've both been great. And uh, you know, it's 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 really interesting. We've talked a, lot, a bit about Barnes, and I'm not sure there's much more to say other than the other thing that we knew about Barnes coming in is that his teammates love him, his coaches love him, the fans yeah. love him, the franchises love him. This is a a also a player that you can build a culture around, and yeah. and and, so, and something that I I think is is there's something infectious about Scotty Barnes and and who he is and how he inspires everybody around him to play that. Uh, you could definitely see Houston needing right now. I'm really glad he ended up in Toronto. Uh, to be honest, I think he ended up in a great situation with a with a good culture on a team where where yeah. Houston, it's it's definitely rockier. Um, Toronto, right Toronto also has a history of fixing bad shooters. Yeah, you know, you so you think about it. Does you know does this look the same if Scotty Barnes is in Houston? You know, you can debate that. Yeah, you can absolutely debate it, and and it, it's also interesting that in a certain way, Mobley and Barnes get surrounded around surrounded by complementary players uh, that that allow them to do what they do well without asking them to maybe do stuff that they don't do 
um, particularly well. And, and that, you know, that's another, another argument. So while I would still take, if I was Houston, I'd still take Scotty Barnes. I think it's also sort of fair to say that maybe we don't quite exactly see the same Scotty Barnes in Houston that we're seeing um, in, in Toronto. He landed in the right spot. And we talk about this with agents all the time, you know, forget where you're drafted and find the right spot for you. And, and I think for both Evan Mobley and for Scotty Barnes, um, their, their fits with their teams also have been, been excellent. Evan Mobley may also be having a little bit rougher of a time uh, with that fairly atrocious Detroit team uh, yeah. around him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, is is Jalen Green going to make your lottery? Yes. Okay. All right. Then we'll talk about Jalen Green when you get when when okay. we when we finally when we finally get there. I he know will, that's a pretty be, crazy question to ask about the number not, two pick in the draft. He is not the highest rocket on my board, though. Oh, I well, we we sort of know that because I don't think he was the highest rocket on your board pre-draft. The first either. time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Evan Mobley one to Detroit, Scotty Barnes two to Houston. Now you're sitting at three. The Cleveland Cavaliers is is this is this our German friend Franz Wagner? Is this Alperin and Singoon? Is this Cade Cunningham? All of them probably have some claim to this pick. Josh Giddy could be the pick here. Josh too. Giddy as well. Yeah. Uh, but I am going to go back to my prior here and go with Cade here. I just, okay. I, I just have too much belief in his shooting ability, even though his percentage is not great so far. You watch him shoot. I mean, that thing is pure. And mm. I, I just have to believe that he is going to be a 40% three-point shooter at some point. And he's in a he's in a funky situation in Detroit right now as well. Uh, and actually, I like Cade in Cleveland. I mean, obviously, obviously uh, Evans been a great fit there as well. But you could actually see Cade on this Cavaliers team minus minus Evan Mobley, and I and I think that he would be in a better position than he's in in Detroit right now. Yeah. Plus, the Cavs are running out of guys who can dribble. So yeah, he'd be he'd be in a really nice spot playing next to Garland. Yeah. Playing next to Garland, uh, being able to stretch the floor a little bit, which we believe he's ultimately going to be able to do, and on certain nights, he he's still he's still really showing that um, as well. Is there an argument here for for Wagner, Josh Giddy, maybe even I Jonathan Kaminga and what he's been doing in, yeah, in Golden State lately? I you know Kaminga, it's a small enough sample that I got to take it with a little bit of grain. Um, Giddy is really interesting. Because he's, you know, he's big and he can definitely pass the ball. He's a good rebounder. I think he has to shoot in order to really be- become a significant player on a on a high level team. And we, so we just we just haven't seen that piece of it yet. I mean, Cade, we have so much more trust in his ability to shoot the ball. Um, Fr- Franz Wagner has been good. Uh, kind of similar situation to Cade, where he's on a terrible team and has probably more load on him than, than should be. Uh, I, I don't think he's quite as deft a shot creator and I don't think he gets into, into hit into his three point shot as easily as Cade does. So I think it's, it's percentage wise. He, but he probably will be okay. I don't think he's going to be as high volume, a three point shooter as Cade is. Uh, so Better I would defender. Still, you could, you could Cade. argue it'd be a, he, you, yeah, you could definitely argue that because I like him defensively and he's bigger and yeah, he, I mean, and even, you know, the tape at Michigan showed it like, yeah, he could do some stuff defensively. I think Cade's fine on defense. I just don't think he's 
I, I don't think there's any specialness there either, though. Well, look, I'm with you. I think you have to take Cade here um, and and maybe readjust expectations a little bit at three yeah. with Cleveland. So so that, that, that puts Toronto on the board um, at four. Of course, they won't want to give up Scotty Barnes. That's the, you know, that they made such a, and you know, it, this is really interesting too, because there was so much talk about, do they take Jalen Suggs or Scotty Barnes here? Raptors fans were livid at the suggestion that they don't take Jalen Suggs. Now they could be more in love with Scotty Barnes. They really made the right call. Yeah. Uh, not that I'm ready to give up on Jalen Suggs either, but I don't think Jalen Suggs gets anywhere near the ceiling that Scotty Barnes is is playing with right now. And that's, no. uh, that's really special. I'm, I'm going to go Franz Wagner here. Okay. Um, at four with Toronto. I'm tempted by Giddy. I'm also tempted by Jonathan Kaminga. Again, the sample size is small and there, there's enough that I'm also hearing just rumblings out of the Warriors camp about how they feel about him. Uh, that, that's got me, that, that, that's got me excited about his future but one thing I would say about Wagner that's been really interesting is he's been doing this on a really poor team. He's probably had to take on more than he needs to, but he's actually been very steady. If you look at the rookies that have sort of been out there, there's been a lot of roller coasters. Even you know Scotty Barnes is going to have you know, pretty up and down games. Franz has been actually pretty steady throughout throughout this entire season um, and his ability to, to produce and, and defend and sort of fill out a stat line for them. I, I think, again, I don't think we're going to probably see Franz Wagner all-star I don't I don't know if he gets there I guess if I guess maybe he's Franz the Wagner guy all-star. who makes who makes the all-star team as the second best player on a 53 win team yeah yeah like Chris right? Middleton makes an all-star team yeah 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 uh and, and so you know Wagner Wagner is tempting with and Kaminga's tempting, Josh Giddy's uh, tempting to me, but I, I'm going to go ahead and and put put Franz um, at four, and so I'm I'm going to give you the fifth pick, then which was uh, let's see that was Orlando who took yeah. Jalen Suggs um, at five. Ironically, their guy at eight mm-hmm. uh, is the guy that probably yeah. gets Jeff Weltman and John Hammond the extension. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, Orlando wasn't Suggs. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Uh, so. I would go. I had this guy tenth on my original board, but I'm going to move him way up. Josh Giddy. I, I just think he's been better against NBA competition than I expected from what I saw in Australia. Uh, and you know, I had heard uh, stuff from Australia. Everyone liked him down there. I thought he thought he had a chance to be special. And uh, so I, you know, I might have just missed that one. But question about the shooting is still there. Um, still plays really upright, which is odd. You'd think he would turn it over more and you'd get his dribble picked more, but it doesn't, you don't really see it happen that much. Uh, so I, I think, I think there's a lot to build on there. Has a pretty decent floater game too. You, you know who he reminds me of a little, do you remember Dejan Bodoroga? Oh, nice, nice uh, name to bring back. Absolutely. Like, That's a really, really interesting a shooter, comp. But big could handle the ball, had a little bit of floater game to him. Uh, it kind of reminds me of him, but like absolute superstar in, in, a, in an NBA. Yeah, but like playing in the NBA, and Bodoroga totally could have played in the NBA. It just wasn't a thing that was done as often then. Um, so anyway, kind of reminds me a little of that. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I really like Josh Giddy, and it, it's what's really fascinating. John is 
the things that we were concerned about with Josh Giddy coming in have generally just turned out to be true. Defensively, you know, I think there's some issues there. His shot hasn't really fallen, but he does the things that he does so well uh, that that it 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 hasn't affected him as negatively as maybe I think coming in. I also had Giddy around the same spot uh, on my big board as I was worried that 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 it might, which again sort of attest to this fact that I think you and I have talked to in the past. When you have one or two skills that are at an elite level, uh, sometimes those can cover up weaknesses more than the toolsy guys that we talk about that do like a lot of things pretty well, but nothing like at an elite level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see a great example of that right here in Atlanta with with Trey Young, right? Because in his draft, it was like, oh, he's the worst defender I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, okay, he's bad on defense, but like he is your offense, so it doesn't matter. It's it's yeah, and it's it still plays out. You look at his Raptor scores every year, and he's like one of the two or three top offensive players in the NBA, and one of the yeah. like in the four hundreds uh, on defense. So the scouting report was right. Uh, yeah. It's just that Trey's so good at something that keeps him on the floor anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's built bar time, John. Uh, it's right. New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, like other protein bars where you can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy? But it just gets so boring. By like week three, you're thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars are 100% covered in real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, or in the new year, in the car. Throw them all out and replace them with Built Bars. So you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. And even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Maybe even eating a Built Bar kind of counts as a, as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from, coconut, almond, peanut butter, brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming up with new and limited flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, John. Built Bar filling our stomachs, paying our bills. We've gone through the first five picks in the draft. I think there can be some reasonable shifting around Giddy or Franz Wagner or what what have you. But I, I don't. Yeah. I, I would say most reasonable people are probably going to come up with those five uh, in in some order going forward. So Completely we're at six. Agree. We're at the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm-hmm. Can't argue that Josh Giddy just went ahead of them. So this was the, they kind of had a bit of a surprise here. I'm I'm gonna buy the Kaminga stock. Okay. Uh, I he's young. Uh, you're right. The sample size is limited. Uh, I don't think the G League performances that he put up were necessarily awe inspiring. Um, but there's a couple of things that are that are really interesting. One, per 36 minutes, he's the leading scorer in the in the in the draft. 
um, right now. Uh, when he gets on the floor, he puts up points uh, for Golden State. I think he does that well. And he's been a plus on the defensive end uh, uh, for them, which I think is, again, for a player as young as he is, uh, not necessarily something that you would expect. And so, you know, those two factors together, obviously the physical tools are all there as well. Um, the fact that he is not a negative on the defensive end when he's out there for the Warriors um, and, you know, his scoring ability make me feel like he's going to turn into something. Now, the jump shot is the big question and probably the swing skill for him on what he ultimately becomes. He hasn't shot the ball particularly well uh, in the early going for Golden State. If that comes, then I think Jonathan Kaminga could be a potential all-star someday. If he's not, then he's sort of the energy guy, um, you know, that that uses his athleticism to impact the game in different ways. But I'm going to go Kaminga at six. What do you think? What do you think about that? Uh, I think that's reasonable. I had one other guy ahead of him, but yeah, I I had him eighth on my original board, and I think he's, I think the way he's played, he's certainly moved himself up and not down. Right? It hasn't been a ton of minutes, but like it's it's been like oh okay, that's. That's pretty good. And there's not a lot of guys that so far that you could say that about. So, And I, it's I, not like he's playing on a team that just needs to force feeding minutes. Like he only yeah. gets on the floor if the Warriors think that that he can help them. And, and, I, and I think he's... Or, or if the rest of the team has COVID. But, but, yeah, but, yeah. And I think but, there was some of that. Yeah. But the, the last couple of games, I don't actually think that that's no, totally no, been he's, the case Yeah, those were like legit earned minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think that's also sort of saying something. How many of these rookies gets minute gets 20 minutes a night on the warriors uh you know we got to believe evan mobley would scotty barnes probably would you know kate cunningham probably would but after that i'm not really sure yeah okay it's the seventh pick in the draft yeah um let's see who was seventh um the golden state warriors so they took Uh, they took they took they took coming a seventh they're probably happy with that but there, there hasn't gonna, been a big shift other than Jalen Green falling out and I guess Jalen Suggs okay. falling out now. This um, this guy would actually be really cool to watch on the Warriors. Okay. This the is number one this Houston Turkish... rocket on my board. I've, I've waited yeah. far too long already to, to Alperin Shangun. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you can see why t- some teams didn't want to take him because defensively there are there are some moments where he ends up looking really bad he still lunges at guys on the perimeter all the time and you know every time he lunges he gets blown by um he has some pretty decent instincts other way like he's got a high steal rate uh he's able to block shots at the rim he gets off the floor actually better than i expected from the tape i saw from turkey uh and he is a daring passer right now too daring but periodically freaking brilliant. And I think the brilliant part is going to win out as, as he gets older. I mean, even as a teenage rookie coming from Turkey, you know, player efficiency rating of 18, uh, playing fairly significant minutes on a, on a bad team. Those guards aren't helping him at all. All his shots are self-created basically. Uh, so I, I think it's been a pretty good run for him so far. And I think he still has a lot of runway to get better, uh, develop more of a, a three-point shot, uh, you know, develop more craft operating off the elbows and stuff. Like he could be a really tricky guy that way. And, and I mean, at at this point where we are now, I mean, we're kind of running out of names of guys who have done anything. So I, I think he has to be the pick here. I think so too. I think the 
biggest mystery in Houston is why he isn't getting more minutes, um, especially given just where the Rockets are at right now. I think the other big mystery is, you know, this was this was a he was a bit of a polarizing name with pretty much anybody that that uses analytics as part of their equation pointing mm-hmm. to Shingun and saying, I think he's going to be really good, right? I think that was kind yeah. of the consensus. And then I think some other people that maybe use their guts or their their eyes or scouting reports, wondering a little bit about the athleticism, what have you. He's clearly kind of played out, I think, the way that, that the John Hollingers of the world projected and predicted. How did the Thunder miss on, miss on Shingun? Because he actually seems like he's a, thunder type of player um they they didn't have any size they trade this pick to the rockets but they've got a gazillion picks anyway yeah i just i i think they really index highly on athleticism that there especially with their front court players but then they draft jeremiah robinson earl well at 31 that's true that's true (laughs) trade it up from 34 and 36 for 32 like right who's who's a worse athlete than shin goon he wasn't going to get the 34. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Uh, anyway, I digress. Um, yeah. And, and Trey Mann's not that great of an athlete yeah. either. And they yeah. kind of reached a little bit for him. Yeah. And they took Josh Giddy, who's not, I mean, if they, they, they passed on Kaminga for Josh Giddy. So I, I agree historically that has been the case for that team. But this whole draft, they actually went the opposite direction on that. You're right. They kind of did. Yeah. I, I, that I I didn't understand that trade. I didn't understand like the five teams ahead of that trade passing on Shangun right. to I mean, I think some pretty marginal guys were taken in those spots ahead of him. So I I don't know. That was well, had yeah, to I kill think, you that the Memphis Grizzlies passed on him oh, at ten for Zaire Williams, a guy that I don't think you had in your top thirty. I had I did have him in my top thirty, but I had him I wanna say like right at the tail end of that. Twenty seven maybe? Uh, so this is like anyway. a really great drafting team that everybody's talking about the Grizzlies right now and how, how well they've done in the draft. Maybe, maybe the, maybe it's just been, they're so far removed from John Hollinger now that, that <laughs> they're, they're starting to mess up the draft. Um, I don't, I don't think I had any, anything to do with either of the last couple, but the, the bit, I mean, the Desmond Bain pick they hit out of the park. I mean, there's no question about that, but yeah, I had, I had Zaire 30th. So yeah, I was hoping they would take Shingun there. Yeah, uh, just just interesting because there were some good drafting teams uh, in that mix. San Antonio often historically drafts well as well. That 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 passed on Shingun, and I really and, and I don't think you San can call Antonio this a surprise. Loves bigs, loves foreign guys, loves like goofy characters, right? Like I I thought he would be like perfect for them, and yeah, they took uh, Josh Primo instead. Yeah, and and you know, inter- and that was probably one of the biggest surprises um, in the draft. I can't even remember where you had Primo. Um, I had him way down there. You know, it's funny. I talked to people after the draft. I, I had Primo forty second. I talked to people after the draft, and a lot of them had him higher than I did, or that other publicly, you know, out there sites did. I talked to a lot. I didn't talk to anyone who had him twelfth. But I talked to a lot of people who had him like 17th, 23rd, 20th, you know? So I I do think that if San Antonio didn't take him there, he was coming off the board in maybe the next, say, 10 to 12 picks. 
So in retrospect, it makes it less of an outlier than it looked like at the time. All right, let's go to Orlando at eight, uh, who took Franz Wagner with this pick, but Franz Wagner's off the board here. Am I crazy to just go ahead and give them the guy they took at five, Jalen Suggs? Um, defensively, he's been a plus uh, on on that that end of the ball. I think we all thought Davion Mitchell was going to be the best, you know, guard defender uh, early on, but I actually think the numbers support Suggs there um, over over Davion Mitchell, and that at some point he doesn't just shoot the ball as horrifically as he's as, as he shot it early on in Orlando, and he's looked better coming back from the injury um, than he did earlier in the season is is, is Suggs make your top 10 because I'm I'm sort of erring towards Suggs at eight here so I I had Suggs 10th I had him sixth when I originally did this I was a little concerned about him offensively running pick and roll and shooting you know behind screens and stuff and that's borne out so far but again right he's a one and done who's playing point guard now in the NBA rookie point guards in the NBA usually get their butts kicked. We usually don't see a real change until the second year. We've seen it with Cole Anthony this year in Orlando. And so I I'm not willing to write him off yet. And I, I, you know, I do think the defense will be there and he doesn't have to get to that high a level offensively to have some kind of value as an NBA player. So yeah, I, I think, I think, this is we're definitely in the range on him because we're we're out of this like top seven guys where it's where you feel really good about them being long term starter or better, and now we're into a different, much more speculative area of the yeah. lottery. Okay, so I take Jalen Suggs at eight. That leaves the Sacramento Kings at nine. You know, Davian Mitchell was definitely mentioned in this in this range where he was drafted. I don't know that I heard anybody mention him to the Kings um, when they had Tyrese Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox. I think that was a, a they draft had DeLon, night surprise. They had DeLon Wright too. Remember De- DeLon Wright, Buddy Heald. The, the, yeah. the guards were not the issues though. Then they went off in the summer and, and got like seven centers uh, yeah. as as well. Um, Davian Mitchell. I think that the concern was the age uh, and, you know, was he going to do enough, enough else? Uh, he's, he's been okay. Uh, I, I think in Sacramento, I think he, he's definitely helped them defensively, which is partly why they drafted him. I'm guessing he's not the ninth pick. Uh, for no, I, I just think there are too many offensive limitations with him. He's, he's a little small. The shot's okay, but he doesn't really, uh, doesn't really get all the way to the basket that easily. Uh, hasn't, just just hasn't been an impactful player at that end. And again, at his age works against him too. I would actually go Jalen Green here. Okay. Uh, he's, I mean, right now he, let's not miss Like they're playing him 30 minutes a game. Like he is not a good basketball player right now, but there is so much athleticism in him. And uh, you know, that, that springiness, if he shoots it all, I think he's going to be able to score 20 points a game. So I, I still have enough. I had him fifth on my original board. Uh, I still have enough belief here where he has to stay in the top 10. I, I agree with you. I, I think it's too early to write him off. I think we see this every year where we say we got to be patient with these young guys and then we're not patient um, when they come in and, and, they, and they look terrible. But I, I think you're right. The physical tools are there. 
I, I do question, this was a legitimate question coming into the draft, what else is he going to do in the NBA besides score? Um, rebound, is he going to handle the ball a bit? Is he going to defend? I haven't really seen much evidence of him doing any of that, that stuff in Houston. I, yeah, I mean, I was hopeful for him at the defensive end, and it hasn't really been there yet, but it's, I mean... It's it's a tough thing to evaluate on that team a little bit, and uh, I, I I still I still have hope with his uh, with his you know a- athleticism, and there seems to be some desire on the defensive end too, even if he can't quite pull it off yet. So I, I guess does I'm this, still a little optimistic there. Does this change our view of you know G League Ignite first year of really evaluating them for draft prospects? I think a lot of people. I don't know if you were in this camp, thought, look, the level of competition that they're playing at, NBA sets or whatever, this is going to be a better tell uh, from a scouting standpoint than just playing college basketball um, every night. And 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 Jalen Green had a had a fairly successful, wasn't great, but a fairly successful for an 18-year-old. Uh, he had a better year session. He had a better Kaminga year than did. Kaminga did. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Though and though Kaminga was a year younger. We think. Yeah, we think. Okay. Um, so is, is, is this tell us anything? I mean, how are you feeling? You know, you're, you're evaluating G League guys this year. I yeah. don't think any of them rise quite to the level of a Kaminga or Jalen Green uh, in this year's draft. Does it ca- recalibrate anything for you seeing, seeing what Jalen Green's going through in the Rockets? See, I guess I actually had in my own head what the calibration was from seeing rookies sent down to the G league and how they played and what that translated to for, for their pro prospects. And so I was a little worried about both those guys that they didn't uh, play a little better than, than they did. Um, And so, so you're super bullish on this year's G league ignite prospects then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, Dyson Daniels has been all right. Um, Okay. And, and actually, well, I mean, but Bochamp, the thing is you have to adjust for the fact that he's older too. So that's, right. that makes it a little more tricky. Cause he's been like, he's been a pretty decent G league player. It's just like, if you're 21 versus 18, it's a different, right. It's, it's just a different thing. It is. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I, I, that, that made it harder for me to like, like putting green second after the year he had in the G league was that that was really felt like a stretch to me. So I, I it, is, is this a case you think the Rockets fell into this like franchise marketing, exciting, athletic, high flying player as opposed to just drafting the best basketball player? Do you think that they they fell victim to that at two? I don't know, but I mean, like, I, I mean, Detroit was looking at green at one. Remember, they were like, so there was an internal struggle in Detroit. For yeah. sure, that that it's still rumbling in Detroit um, over that. I, I would not want to be one of the guys that was strongly advocating for Jalen Green right now in Detroit. Yeah, and so I, I, I think people just got got carried away with some of the high end stuff on on Green, and there just there just wasn't enough there there behind it. And look, like he could easily turn out to be Zach Levine. I mean. Right. Cause like Zach Levine was kind of the same thing where he was this pogo leaper who like, wasn't actually a good player at UCLA, but just, he did stuff where you're like, Holy he could crap. shoot threes and dunk. Yeah. 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 
And so, and, and it took him a while to get where he is now, but you go back we, when we did redid that draft, I think we ended up with him at like number three or something. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, and green could end up getting to that point too. I'm a little more suspicious of his shot though. I, I don't like his shooting form. Okay. That's the first nine picks in the draft. When we come back, we'll finish out the lottery or listen to John Hollinger of the athletic and Chad Ford. This is Chad Ford's NBA big board. All right, we're back. Memphis Grizzlies on the board at 10 took Zaire Williams. Another big surprise. A guy that preseason before the college basketball season was thought to be a potential top 10 pick in the draft. Had a terrible year at Stanford. Interestingly, BJ Boston, who was kind of ranked right next to him, also has a terrible year at Kentucky. Maybe not actually, frankly, as bad as, as Zaire did. And he goes in the 50s. Zaire goes at 10. Grizzlies fall in love with him. Hasn't been very good. He's actually getting minutes, which is another huge surprise for Memphis that that they're finding ways to to force feed him minutes and still win basketball games. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Early in the year, they were force feeding him minutes and losing basketball games. And then I, I think, you know, on this run lately, they've kind of put him back in the lineup and he basically kind of keeps the starting spot warm until Dylan Brooks returns. And then they get into their bench and Anderson and Conchar come in or whatever. He's been a little better lately, uh, but I, I still wouldn't say he's been good. Um, now again, it took us to the forty-one minutes to get Dylan Brooks. His name uh, mentioned, just uh, to note. Uh, did you know that he was taken with the forty-fifth pick? I, I didn't know. And, and did you have anything to do with that, John? I, I, I did. I, I, you know, nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, do, do you get? Do you get like? Do you get like personally upset when you like start to hear like Dylan Brooks like trade? trade rumors like i i I've, I've heard some like dylan brooks sort of trade trade stuff around memphis does that like does that like like feel like someone's hurting your child uh yeah yeah that's hard that's hard i mean you know we you know we 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 already traded conley so that you know that was the one you know that so you know it happens i'm you know if only the grizzlies could bring paul reed in a deal now that might be something, yeah. Like Brooks for Reed and Shangoon somehow three team trade. Yeah. Well, no, no, all three of them on Memphis. I just don't know that we'd ever get you watching any other team. Um, yeah, that would be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So we, I think we're both of the agreement that this was a reach. At ten for Zaire, still feels like a reach. Yeah. Any any is he going to make your top fourteen? Uh, he did not. Although by the time I got to 14, he just as easily probably could have as some of these guys. I probably picked. could I have. Mean, yeah. It's I, the last few were kind of a barrel scrape. So, you know, part of it is we're starting to sort of run out of the young guys, uh, that, that are going to be particularly good, you know, have, have a bright future. And we're kind of left with a bunch of older players, some of which who've actually played played pretty well but have a sort of limited upside and at 10 you know how you feel about drafting those guys in a, in a normal draft i think normally you and i would sort of say those guys should be reserved for later in the draft uh so that kind of put me in a tough position like i'm not i'm not really sure at nine uh who is going to be my guy and so i'm 
I'm just going to swing for upside. I'm going to trust San Antonio a little bit here. I'm going to uh, trust some of the flashes that I've seen, and, and I'm going to put Josh Primo here and say, if you're going to reach for a young guy and like really swing for the fences, I feel like Primo might have been a better bet than Zaire Williams. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, he's shown some stuff on the ball. He's smaller than Zaire Williams, um, yeah. but he you see some stuff with him on the ball. You see some, like, I was surprised when I watched the G League Ignite in person, his leaping ability, like on rebounds, was like, oh, you can do that? Um, so that, that was good. The shot seems like it'll come around. So there's something projectable there. Uh, it's just not really an NBA player yet. So it's like, and there's 15 to 20 guys from this draft you could say that about, and we're not going to really know for a while, you know, which ones were the keepers and which ones were not. But I, I think at this point, yeah, I mean, he, along with a few other guys, is probably as reasonable a pick as, as anything. We're almost to the point in the draft where there are no bad takes anymore, basically, because it's you're we're all spe- we're all speculating on future now, basically. Okay, so uh, we're at eleven. We're at Charlotte. James James Book Knight, who, in fairness, James Book Knight has had a hard time getting on the floor. Witness uh, protection in, in program. Yeah, yeah. Actually, a little bit surprised. Thought he thought he would get a little bit more playing time than he's gotten in Charlotte, but he hasn't gotten it um, early on. Who's your Who's your selection with the eleventh pick with the Charlotte Hornets? So I'm going to move somebody up here. I originally had him 23rd on my board, uh, Herbert Jones. Okay. Yeah, I think I think Herb Jones fans were going to have a heart attack on this yeah. if we didn't start bringing in <laughs> Herb Jones, who has legitimately had a, a terrific season uh, for, for the Pelicans, especially defensively. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, good defender on a bad defensive team. Starts at the four mostly, but a multi-positional defender. The worry was that he would just be too tragic on offense with the iffy shooting and the turnover proneness. He's been all right. His shot's coming around. Again, New Orleans has a track record of turning bad shooters into shooters. And so I think he landed in a good spot. Um, and he, I I think he's clear. He's an older player, but there's still upside there in him because offensively he can still get better. And I think at this point, you're going to say like, he's going to make it right. Like he's going to be something in the league for a while. So I, I think I'm pretty comfortable with him at, uh, wherever we're at 11 now. Yeah. So, so Chad's reckless and swings for an eight, the youngest player in the draft who hasn't done anything. And then John plays it safe by saying, okay, here's a 22, 23 year old who is actually starting and being productive and helping you know, the Pelicans aren't winning a lot of basketball games, but that's not Herb Jones's fault. Yeah. I, and I, I think, I think this is another thing about Herb Jones as well. He's the type of player. We talked about this with Scotty Barnes that every team in the league covets, right? A guy that defensively can defend multiple positions on the floor. Yeah. He can handle the ball a bit. And uh, especially not a great shooter. if he can shoot like that is yeah. such a game changer for him. Yeah. So I, so we, we've, di- we've dipped into the second round now. And uh, you had him at 23. A lot of people talked about Herb Jones as a as a potential first round pick. I think the offensive limitations did scare some people away. Um, so it's 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 interesting that he slides as far as he does because I I think I think again if we did a redraft, probably 10 to 15 would be the Herb Joneses uh, range. Yeah. 
um, at yep. this point. But I think it was 34th um, in the draft. Uh, this yep. is Chad Stalling now. Um, like we talk <laughs> about this really great draft, but it's, it, you know, you start to say, okay, uh, San Antonio, who's your guy um, at, at, at this point? Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm torn between a, a number of players here, but I'm just going to go pick my favorite player. Okay. Um, right now. Uh, Bones Highland. Wow. Um, okay. I'm going to take Bones. Uh, he looks to me like he is going to be a six-man microwave scorer um, in the NBA. It seems like he's going to be able to maybe carve out a career like Jordan Clarkson um, has, uh, you know, in Utah. Uh, you know, that's the, my, my early take on what he's been able to do. He shot the basketball really well. Um, he's slithery and crafty. I don't know that he ever ends up being a good starter um, in the NBA, but I really like the role that he plays uh, in Denver. And I, and I could see him, again, staying in the league a long time, providing exactly that role off the bench. That's probably a good call. I mean, he's been more productive than some of the other guys we're looking at here. Uh, and it's it's projectable right like he's playing this role on a good team and has to fit into like a real organization trying to do stuff and he hasn't been amazing but again as a as a rookie point guard he's been playable like things things don't break down when he checks in the game uh you know they're able to keep doing what they're doing as as long as Jokic still stays on the floor, I should say. <laughs> yeah, and, he, I, and I don't think the, I don't think out, the, jump... the entire the entire house of cards collapses in Denver, but that's a completely different discussion. And I don't think the jumper's going anywhere. Um, and I and I don't think the kind of slithery nature, the crafty nature of his game is going anywhere either. Again, does that project into a superstar? Probably not. But uh, I think at twelfth, you can do a lot worse than getting a guy that could end up being at some point in his career a, a legit candidate candidate for six man of the year. Okay. That's 12, 13th, Indiana Pacers. I think people are going to be surprised that we haven't talked about the guy that they took um, at 13, which is Chris Duarte, uh, who you were high on, despite the fact that he broke about every age rule yeah. that we could really talk about in the draft. I think he's 24 yeah. um, right now. And he has had some really good games the other night. He had a really big game, uh, you know, for, um, for Indiana, uh, is he your selection here at 13? He's been fine. I could just as easily take him here, but I, I actually think for somebody as old as he is, you, you actually wanted to see a little more than he's done to this point. Um, I'm going to go, uh, a little bit, uh, off, off the grid here. Uh, this guy's hardly played, but I still believe in Jared Butler. Okay. Uh, I, I like that. I, I just think he'd be a really good guard in the league. And, I, you know, from what he's done in the G League, what he did in preseason, like, I, I still think that. I still think he has that in him. So I'm I'm going to stay on Jared Butler Island here. And that's uh, about where you had him I had, ranked, right? I had him 11th when I when I originally did my board. So, yeah. And, and his, his fall on draft night seemed ridiculous. It was, it was, uh, it, I mean, medical was a, basically 90% of it, I think. Uh, but I, I do think even beyond the medical, I think teams didn't quite have the level of belief in him that I did. Maybe I, th- I think teams were probably, if you took out the medical teams are probably looking at him more like in the twenties, maybe than in the, I, I don't know if any teams had him 11th, let's say. I, I think don't that's know. A tell, really, tell me if that, I'm wrong. I mean, you're you're talking to these no, teams. No, no, but I, you know, the jazz were a team that for example, were very high, uh, 
uh, on him. And, and, you know, you think about Dennis Lindsay and his connections to Baylor and um, everything else. They were very high on him. And it was really interesting, you know, talking to that team pre the draft on draft night, they didn't believe it was possible that he was going to slide uh, to them. And I think the jazz, I think the jazz had the 30th pick. They ended up trading out of it and they traded a couple of times before they actually got, yeah. got Jared Butler. Um, and that, that was mostly for cap, cap reasons and you know picking up some second round second round pick assets and some things like that um but they didn't seem to have serious medical concerns and that was one of the interesting things of why they were pushing back because they'd done a lot of homework on him that they were really surprised that he would fall that far just based off of how they were reading the medical and seeing the medical so um and and i don't think any of the reasons that he's not playing have have had anything to do with the medical the reason he didn't play in summer league is just that he'd been sat so long um, because of everything, I think the Jazz just decided to, to to take it slow with him. All right. Well, Jazz fans will love hearing that, uh, that that uh, Butler could end up being the, the 13th best pick in this draft. Uh, I, I'm just, I, just going to go for the guy who's obviously had a, a pretty strong rookie season, even at 24 years old, and say, I still think Chris Duarte is going to be in the league a long time. Okay. Uh, That's fair. I, I think he, he's maybe not as long as other guys because he's already 24 years old, but you know, maybe for the next six or seven years, yeah, uh, he, he's going to be in the league. And I also think that, you know, he's, his role has shifted a bit in Indiana sort of back and forth is, and I think Rick Carlisle, it's kind of a difficult coach to play for a rookie, no matter, uh, no matter where you're at. Um, I was hoping I was going to put like Miles McBride or somebody here. Um, you know, some of those guys that I kind of believved in. I think you believed in Miles McBride as well. I was a big have, McBride haven't really guy, seen it yet. Hasn't, yeah, yeah. I haven't I, seen I, it yet. When, when I've watched McBride, I got to say, like he doesn't really get separation as a point guard. So he has to he has to be a guy who shoots and is a total bulldog defender, I think. So let's just quickly go through a few guys that we didn't take. We took a lot of guys that that were drafting a lot of Davian Mitchell, he makes your top twenty, top fifteen? Probably my top twenty. I, I want to say I had him sixteen when I originally did this. And I think I probably wouldn't like really change that. Okay. Like that's kind of feels like that's that's right. Uh yeah, Adam sixteenth. Yeah. Okay. Uh James Booknight went eleventh the Charlotte. I had him thirteenth. Uh even like his few cameos, I haven't really been moved, I guess. I, okay. I'm, a, I'm a little worried about this one. <laughs> okay. Zaire Williams went 10th to the Grizzlies. Yeah, I had him rated in the 20s. So yeah, that, that and he hasn't, he hasn't done anything to really move me off of that position. So it, I, I thought that was a pretty easy one to kind of leave, leave out of my top 14. Moses Moody goes 14 to Golden State Warriors. Admittedly, I, I don't think they're giving big minutes to two rookies, and and he hasn't gotten in the game much uh, there for Golden State. Uh, what do you think about Moody? He was one of the younger younger players in the draft. I know. I had him 14th. I still kind of like the idea of him. His minutes haven't been good, so it's it's hard for me to like move him up from there. Uh, but I'm I'm not out on him by any means. Corey Kispert. Yeah, another guy. I thought about him actually at the back end of this. He's playing more for Washington. He's you could tell he's starting to figure it out where his shots are going to come from and and how he can kind of play his game at the NBA level versus what he did at Gonzaga. Um, I thought you know the shot release is still a little low, which makes him less of a threat as like a movement shooter than some of these other guys. But he is big. 
He can do some stuff going to the basket. Yeah, and like I said, he's been playing more lately. You can see him starting to figure stuff out. You can see the coaches are trusting him more. I think I think he's going to end up being a rotation player. Interesting. Um, I'm a I'm gonna th- you know you you were you were skeptical about Trey Murphy. He looked great in the summer league and uh, hasn't done much. Uh, for for New Orleans, it looks like you're you're uh, given that he's a Virginia alum and 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 I, I sort of trust you on these Virginia guys that you might have been right about that. So let's 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 talk about one other guy that I know we're going to get some hell about because um, he he just put up a monster monster game for the Chicago Bulls coming off uh, coming off the bench. Io DeSumo. Yeah, I just didn't have the like body of work from the whole season to really feel amazing about that. I. I had him on my list of like guys when I got to into the teens of like, okay, here's, here's a guy I could look at. Cause I, like I, when I picked Butler, I could have just as easily picked Kispert or IO or uh, Jalen Johnson who I had ninth on my original board, but hasn't, he's been in witness protection with the Hawks. Um, so I, it was just a point. I could have gone with any of those guys. Um, IO's a little older, um, still wonder about the shooting piece a little bit. But shooting 44% from three and 54% from the field right now. Yeah, I know. But yeah, Um, good, good. Like defensively, he's looked the part. He rebounds. He's like, he definitely looks an NBA athlete and a guy who'll be able to get on the floor, though. Uh, Again, an older guy and hasn't had the production of like a Herb Jones, for instance. Um, So, but these, these last few games, yeah, they've been notable without a doubt. All right, he's John Hollinger. Check him out, the Athletic. John, next time we talk, we're gonna be we're gonna we're gonna dive in the 2022 draft. All right, you about ready? You got your big board starting to firm it up? Not even, not even. I mean, crap. This year, man, it's that board starts getting squishy around five or six. It it is. It's I'm not I'm not quite as bullish on this year's draft as I was last year's draft for sure. All right, uh, we'll we'll get back with John Hollinger soon. We'll we'll ch- check out his big board when it gets a little bit firm. Seems a little squishy right now. Uh, and you can go over to my site, nbabigboard.com, where you can see my first mock draft of the year. He's John Hollinger. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.